Welcome to Columbus Perspective, a weekly public affairs presentation of The Fan. I'm Dave James. A new nearly $10 million public awareness campaign related to addiction is beginning in Ohio. The Ohio Opioid Education Alliance held a news conference this week to launch the campaign. In a moment, we'll present some comments made by Governor Mike DeWine at the news conference. And then I'll talk with Chad Jester, president of the Nationwide Foundation, which is involved in the campaign. In about 25 minutes, courtesy of our sister station, WBNS 10 TV, Tracy Townsend looks at a number of issues, including results from this month's election for a congressional seat in central Ohio, changes for the school board in Dublin, the race for governor that's still ramping up, and the effort to get kids aged 5 to 11 vaccinated against COVID. And I'll wrap up the hour talking with a couple of doctors about pre-diabetes and the effort to educate people about what it is and how it can be reversed. First up on Columbus Perspective, the Ohio Opioid Education Alliance held a news conference this past Wednesday to launch a new ad campaign. It's a follow-up to their Don't Live in Denial campaign. Governor Mike DeWine took part in that news conference. Here's about three and a half minutes of his comments. We launched Recovery Ohio uh, as one of our first initiatives after I became governor. Uh, Through this initiative, I challenged the directors in my cabinet uh, to come together and use the resources of the state to accomplish the following. First, enhance supports for those struggling with addiction and those struggling with mental health conditions and to support their families. Second, to elevate and expand the state's prevention and education efforts. And three, to support local law enforcement in their efforts to rid our communities of illicit drugs and fight back against the drug cartels. As a state, Ohio has been hit hard by addiction. Thousands of Ohioans live also with mental illness. Experts in the field of addiction uh, and experts in the field of mental illness understand that these are diseases. They're not a sign of immoral failing or a weak character. Too many people, though, don't understand that, and the result is stigma. An unfair, unjustified disapproval of people living with addiction or mental illness. Stigma can be devastating to those who are living with these diseases, not only adding to the hardships of addiction and mental illness, but also preventing them from seeking the help they need to get well. That's why in this initial report, Recovery Ohio team indicated that its most pressing need, most pressing need for a statewide campaign to address the public stigma that Ohioans face when they live with a mental illness or a substance abuse disorder. This new education campaign that we're announcing today answers that call and will attack stigma directly. The Beat the Stigma campaign will encourage Ohioans to challenge what you think about addiction. When you see someone who lives with addiction, there's always more to the story than you know. Know your risk. If there's a history of addiction in your family, know that this increases your risk for addiction. Understand your risk and talk to your children about what this means so they can make informed choices. Finally, take care of your mental health. Mental health challenges can put you at risk for substance use. 
We know that an education campaign alone isn't going to fix the problem. But education is a key component. It really is a key component to the solution. And that's why we think this is such an important investment. Uh, three years ago, in a central Ohio-based campaign to tackle the prescription opioid problem, it was called Don't Live in Denial. You probably saw those ads. I thought it was very, very uh, impactful. I asked the same team to help us bring the same level of insight and discipline to the campaign that we're unveiling today. Very proud of this work because it is really, I think, a great example of what can be accomplished when both the public and private sectors join forces to tackle these issues. Governor Mike DeWine from Wednesday of this week at a news conference kicking off a new public awareness campaign about addiction and stigma. Joining me now on the phone, somebody else who was at that news conference speaking, Chad Jester, who is the president of the Nationwide Foundation. How are you? Doing well, Dave. Thanks for having me today. Thanks for talking to us. Tell us what the Nationwide Foundation is. The Nationwide Foundation is a 501c3 organization, so it is a nonprofit foundation uh, solely supported by the Nationwide companies. Give us an example of, of some of the efforts that you're involved in. We're involved with quite a bit in Ohio and throughout the country. So one of our most noteworthy uh, partners is Nationwide Children's Hospital. So we do a lot of financial support and engagement with the team at Nationwide Children's. We also support and partner with United Ways, uh, Feeding America Food Banks, Red Cross local chapters and their national organization, as well as the Urban League throughout the country. Um, in addition to that, we partner with many local organizations in the Columbus market um, and throughout the United States. And one area of your involvement is the Ohio Opioid Education Alliance, which is uh, has really become a, a huge effort. Yeah, it really has, Dave. So the Opioid Alliance was created a few years ago, back in 2018, as we came together within central Ohio and throughout the state uh, to combat the opioid epidemic at the time. So the alliance was created to really have a place for business, nonprofit government and education organizations to come together, learn about the challenges, uh, get information, talk to their stakeholders about the challenges of opioid abuse and misuse, what we can all do about it um, as Ohioans, including talking to our kids about the dangers of substance abuse and misuse. And that has been an ongoing campaign, an education campaign that kind of told uh, parents, uh, you know, don't put your head in the sand over the idea that this can't happen to your family and that uh, open communication is one of the ways to help try to prevent it. It really is, Dave. It's a great call out. So the more we're all aware of the challenges facing our young people, whether it's substance um, misuse and abuse, mental health issues, and the more we talk about it, the healthier we will be as a community and as a society. And it's one thing that uh, we really have as a takeaway from the uh, the campaign of Denial Ohio, uh, where the conversation really was healthy. It engaged more people. We all came away learning so much more, including how to support our kids. The uh, opioid problem in Ohio is uh, something that it seems like a few years ago was beginning to turn around and then the pandemic hit. Yeah, it, it was. The, the heightened awareness around uh, the challenges of opioids and 
you know, opioids are a pretty broad class of drugs, as you may know. So fentanyl is an opioid, which is uh, something that we see in, in the news all the time, fentanyl, uh, fentanyl being a synthetic that many times is attributed to overdoses. So that challenge is still upon us um, here in Ohio and throughout the United States. But additionally, with the pandemic, uh, we saw within the state uh, increased consumption of, of uh, substances such as alcohol. And we know that the fragility of individuals in the state uh, was put upon even more so with the pandemic from a mental health standpoint. I saw some statistics. 2019, the last year, were I guess total numbers are out, and it was, according to the Department of Health, 4,028 people in Ohio died of unintentional drug overdoses, a 7% increase from 2018. As you mentioned, fentanyl is, is an ever-increasing part of that. Yeah, so the experts, um, when they uh, share information on fentanyl, is a bit scary on how fentanyl can be used in so many other substances, um, can even be uh, pressed into looking like a pill, um, and it's pure fentanyl. So uh, the, uh, the folks in the state of Ohio, uh, the experts, have shared that last year was a pretty tough year for Ohioans, with in particular May and June uh, being high overdose months within the state. And again, that was right on the heels of the pandemic kicking off just a few months later. So we can all imagine that if you have an illness such as addiction or mental health in a pandemic um, is uh, layered into the challenges you're already dealing with every day uh, that Ohioans are in a pretty challenging place in total. Um, so we believe it's up to all of us as Ohioans, you know, living in Columbus and throughout the state to be informed, to be engaged, and really challenge ourselves about the stigmas that apply to mental health and addiction. Talking with Chad Jester, president of the Nationwide Foundation, uh, this uh, effort with the Ohio Opioid Education Alliance, as of this week, uh, rolling out a new effort, a new focus on this. Yes, we are, Dave. It, the new campaign is called Beat the Stigma, and it really is an outgrowth and connection to Recovery Ohio. Um, our statewide organization uh, where all the experts in the state come together and talk about some of the biggest challenges facing the state. Stigma reduction, top on the list. So stigma reduction tied to mental health issues, tied to addiction issues, substance uh, abuse and misuse. Um, and the stigmas that go with the big challenges within our state, within our society. And the Beat the Stigma campaign is focused on uh, reducing stigma tied to addiction and mental health. So I think everybody's probably familiar with the uh, Denial Ohio campaign, and that's what uh, we're talking about. The same folks that were involved in that is now involved in Beat the Stigma. And words and the type of references to these sorts of issues that people should be getting used to are using words like substance misuse disorder instead of words like uh, junkie or, you know, all these negative connotations that we have about these issues. Exactly. So the words we use and the thoughts we have can either reduce stigma um, or add to the stigma. So our goal with the Beat the Stigma campaign, which Ohioans will come to know very well here soon, um, is really to challenge what you know about addiction and mental illness. You know, these are illnesses. Um, we want to make sure that folks understand that addiction and mental illness are also closely related to a person's family history. This is not a sign of moral failure or a weak character. We want folks to know your own family history and the risk factors and discuss them with your children. Um, and third, we want to make sure that we all develop and utilize empathy, not judgment. As you were just saying, the words can be very judgmental. 
but we want to use empathy regarding people with addiction and mental illness. So the greater understanding and compassion we can have, uh, the healthier we'll all be. We played a few minutes earlier of Governor Mike DeWine at Wednesday's campaign kickoff for this effort. And uh, so here's uh, one of the television commercials that's going to be used that was unveiled in this campaign. It's a, a word letter game, and the missing letters are clearly those that would finish up the words family history that these contestants are trying to solve. Here's the 30-second commercial. Research shows that this is responsible for 50% of your risk for alcohol addiction. Cameron. Making bad choices. That, that's not it, Cameron. Lack of self-control. We're looking at the same words, right? Hanging out with the wrong people, Jeff. We're going to end it there. All your answers were stigmas, so you did not beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about addiction. And it's uh, so interesting because, you know, I think we all understand that, you know, somebody, if they're 15 years old or 25 years old, when they take that first alcoholic drink, it may affect them much more profoundly than other people. And the same thing can happen with these types of uh, substance issues. Yeah, that's exactly on point. So when we talk about family history, it really is understanding for each of us um, what have the, the generations before us dealt with? Have, have there been mental health issues within your family? Um, have there been alcohol misuse um, issues within your family, other substance um, issues? The confluence of mental health um, and substance misuse is prevalent as well. Um, so if you have a family history, it's really good to understand that family history and have open, healthy conversations, especially with children um, in your family about the risks, because you're exactly on point. Um, when the time comes for the choice to have that uh, first drink, um, if you're better informed as a young person about your family history and the risk to you, which might be very, very different than risk to somebody else, um, you'll make a better choice. And if you use negative connotations, you know, whether you're calling somebody like that a drunk or you're calling somebody a junkie or, you know, you say that they haven't been clean for six months, every day that they hear that, it just beats them down more. Absolutely. So there is you know, quite a bit of impact on um, through stigma on individuals who are suffering in, in our community and in, in our state. Um, the goal of the Beat the Stigma campaign is really going to be focusing the camera, um, as the creative team will say, on us. So not on the individual who's suffering, but what role do we play? Um, are we carrying stigmas that we're not aware of? If so, how can we identify that and do a better job of reducing and alleviating our stigmas so our interactions with individuals who are suffering from mental illness or substance misuse disorder um, are healthier? So it's enough of a battle uh, to go through one of these illnesses. Um, it's an added challenge to have stigma projected to you by others. So if we can get everyone to understand that and have more empathy um, around individuals suffering from these diseases, we'll be in a much better place. And there's a huge amount of support uh, on this campaign. The state of Ohio has come in in a big way. The state of Ohio is fantastic. They are um, you know, the leaders uh, financially with this campaign. They're also the leaders um, who've done the research throughout the state for a number of years that led to the Recovery Ohio plan. And again, the, an anti-stigma campaign tied to mental health and addiction is in the Recovery Ohio plan. 
uh, one of the most prevalent pieces of the plan. Um, everything else is, is more challenging to move forward as a state if we don't address the issues of stigma. So uh, with the success of the Denial Ohio campaign, with the priority of the Recovery Ohio plan, the state of Ohio, uh, the Nationwide Foundation, Adam H. of Franklin County, many other partners have come together to create the Beat the Stigma campaign. And the state of Ohio, along with private sector, um, are investors in this effort. Talking with Chad Jester, president of the Nationwide Foundation, Nationwide's uh, national marketing and advertising agency is involved behind this as well. And what is it about the involvement of corporate America in these campaigns? Why are they so invested in this? Well, it's really in the best interest of our society. So although Nationwide and uh, many other companies are engaged, along with other sectors, um, the campaign will not carry anybody's brand. It will carry the Ohio Opioid Education Alliance brand and Beat the Stigma. Those are the two brands that folks will see uh, because this is about societal benefit. Um, As you think about all of us in, in the state and whatever sector we work in, we're all employers one way or another. And issues of addiction and mental health and these illnesses impact all of our businesses. And whether we're for-profit, not-profit, education, government entities, and uh, society walks in the door to all of our businesses each day. And when we have employees or their family members who are challenged by these illnesses, if we have loved ones who are challenged, uh, we carry that with us each and every day into the workplace. It might have an impact on our ability to do our job. Um, and as we think about employers around the state, Dave, who are very challenged um, to acquire talent today and fill all the jobs that are open, uh, we want to make sure that every individual who would like to seek a job, even if they are facing a mental health or addiction issue, uh, that they are supported and can enter the workforce and contribute to our society. Data from a 2019 survey by the Federal Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration combined with Ohio population data showed that one in 13 Ohioans struggle with addiction. So with this campaign, what is it that people will see and and what are you hoping the difference will be? They will see the campaign in so many different mediums. So there'll be um, ads on TV, social media will be utilized out of home or billboards will be utilized as well. Um, Radio obviously is gonna be a key platform, print media as well. So every way that we can reach Ohioans, we will be reaching Ohioans. So a billboard uh, will have an intersectionality with ads that you might hear on the radio or see on TV. So the common messaging about really thinking about yourself and the stigmas that you carry, understanding your family history, talking to young people in your family about your family history, and developing that sense of empathy will be constant messages reinforced over and over again. Uh, This is a complex issue. It's challenging, um, but it is worth taking on, and that's what we're here to do. And the challenges behind it, you know, just in the last uh, month or so, some of the news has involved, I believe it was a 260-pound bust of fentanyl in Mexico, one of the, maybe the biggest ever in that country. Then there's also this new form of synthetic opioid that's hitting the streets that's even more powerful than fentanyl or carfentanyl. Yeah, I've seen those reports as well, Dave, and um, I think for all of us who are paying attention to um, overdoses in particular, many of which are attributed to fentanyl, it's scary. 
You know, at the same time, other substances like alcohol, uh, which might not make the news quite as much because of um, uh, the lack of overdose numbers tied to it, are still as impactful on people's lives each and every day. So uh, while we're going to be talking about addiction in total, um, there's a lot that goes into that category. There's also a lot of different challenges that come with mental health illnesses and as i mentioned earlier the confluence of mental health and addiction together um so it's a lot to to share to educate and ask people to be engaged in uh, but we believe that the campaign is going to be um, highly successful thought-provoking uh, which is the goal of the campaign to really engage ohioans in these difficult issues um, and make sure that we're all on the path to develop more understanding and empathy Talking with Chad Jester, president of the Nationwide Foundation. Now, as people begin to see these ads and and be exposed on social media to the message, I'm sure uh, accompanying those are places to go online to get more information. Absolutely. BeatTheStigma.org will be our new site that will be set up and activated, aligned to when uh, the ads hit the airwaves. Again, that's BeatTheStigma.org. So not only will tools be there to help all of us understand if we are holding stigmas as individuals, but also give information on um, how to understand your family's history, talk to children, keep learning and developing more empathy. Also, we'll have resources on the site that if uh, you or a loved one are challenged and struggling with these issues, you know where to go for assistance here in Ohio. Um, So it'll be a very robust site and and it'll be listed in the ads. Again, beatthestigma.org. Chad, anything else you'd like to add? We just appreciate your time today, Dave. It's, um, it's a battle uh, worth fighting for all of us to reduce the stigma tied to addiction and mental health of our, of our neighbors, of our family members, of those um, who share this great state with us. Um, so really encourage everybody to be engaged um, and uh, look out for the ad. It's coming soon. All right. Again, it's BeatTheStigma.org online. And joining us, Chad Jester, president of the Nationwide Foundation. Thanks so much for the information today, Chad. Thank you, Dave. Hello, I'm Todd Markowitz, Vice President and General Manager of Radio Ohio, which owns 97.1 The Fan. We're an equal opportunity employer dedicated to providing broad outreach efforts regarding job vacancies within our company. We seek the help of local organizations in referring qualified applicants. Organizations that wish to receive our vacancy information should send their request to the attention of Human Resources, Radio Ohio, 770 Twin Rivers Drive, Columbus, 43215. If you'd like to view our current job openings, please visit our website at 971thefan.com and Thanks for listening. Science is not an opinion. People come before pipelines. It's not too late to act on climate. No one is above the law. At Earth Justice, we hold these beliefs to be self-evident. As a national legal nonprofit fighting for your right to a healthy environment, we are 150-plus lawyers representing clients free of charge because now, more than ever, the Earth needs a good lawyer. No one fights more cases on the environment than Earth Justice. And we win because these are fights we cannot lose. We win for scientists so they can serve at the EPA. We win at the Supreme Court because clean water is for everyone. We win against fossil fuel plants so communities can breathe freely. If you believe what we believe, then help us fight the good fight and help us keep winning by going to earthjustice.org today. That's earthjustice.org. Hey, this is Grace Gostet. 
I'm a singer-songwriter, and like many, I've been traumatized by years of bullying. You're ugly. You're stupid. You're gay. You're worthless. Bullying causes real harm and can result in severe long-term depression, anxiety, addiction, and even self-harm. I created the Black Box Project for anyone who has ever felt different for any reason. Go to theblackboxproject.org to help you take the first step to healing. You are not alone. This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. Courtesy of our sister station, WBNS 10 TV, here's Tracy Townsend from her Sunday morning public affairs program, Face the State. A new edition can be seen this morning at 1130 on 10 TV. There's a new Ohio congressional representative in Washington here from Mike Carey as he takes over former reps Steve Stiver's seat. One local school board will add new faces and what they say they want to change within the Dublin school district. And now that the 2021 election is over, all eyes are on 2022 and that governor's race. One candidate is already demanding a bold move. We thank you so much for joining us for Face the State on this Sunday. I'm Tracy Townsend. Ohio has new representation in Washington, D.C. Mike Carey, the Republican coal lobbyist, became a U.S. congressman when he was sworn in on Capitol Hill, taking the oath with House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Remember, this was a special election. Carey is replacing Republican Steve Stivers. Stivers, you'll recall, stepped down to run the Ohio Chamber of Commerce. Now, all of this means Carey will have to face another election with new legislative lines being drawn, and those will be in effect in 2022. Here's what Carey said as the votes were being counted. The one thing that we all knew in this primary was that we knew that no matter who was going to get out of that primary, how are you? <laughs> no matter how, who got, got out of this primary, we were going to make sure that we did everything to make sure that we got a Republican to represent the 15th Congressional District. I will tell you, this, this is one of those moments that you, you think, my gosh, those people really spent a lot of money to, to beat up Mike Carey over the last few months, right? <laughs> A lot of negative signs, a lot of negative ads, but I will tell you, I would take that every day because what the people in the 15th Congressional District are suffering through right now, I'll gladly take that on. I'll gladly take that on. And I'm going to tell you why. Because we are seeing inflation for the first time in our country. Everybody who fills up at the gas pump knows what's happening. And we know why it's happening. And if you get real clever, you might see some of those little stickers with Joe Biden on it that said, I did this. You see those on the desktop? But it's not just that, folks. We are looking at the crisis that we have at the border. We're looking at our schools. And I will tell you, that's the greatest thing tonight. Again, the votes coming across this district. School boards, people are paying attention. And people want to make a difference. So to those of you tonight that are voting in the school board elections, thank you. You're doing the Lord's work. Mike Carey beat his Democratic challenger, State Representative Allison Russo, by 16%, or about 26,500 votes. Russo had this to say on election night. Farmers, students, our small business owners, and workers who, despite their diverse backgrounds, are all united in their desire for a better future for Ohio. And almost to a person, they agreed on two things. One, their sense of frustration 
over the dysfunction that is gripping our politics. And number two, the hope that we can build opportunity in the state once again. And it is my belief that to build that opportunity, we have to put working families at the center of every single thing that we do. One Ohio mayoral race is being acknowledged for breaking barriers. Hamilton County Clerk of Courts Aftab Puraval is set to become Cincinnati's next mayor. Puraval ran against Congressman Steve Shabbat for Congress in 2020 but lost. He will now replace Cincinnati Mayor John Cranley, who is retiring because of term limits. I don't know if they envisioned a night like tonight, but I believe that because, because of that incredible decision, my family went from being refugees to now, now the next mayor of Cincinnati. And Puraval will be the city's first Asian-American mayor. Big change to the Dublin school board. Three women were elected, and two of them are people of color. None of the incumbents won. As 10TV's Kevin Landers explains, the new board faces plenty of challenges from a growing student population to issues involving diversity, equity, and inclusion. 40% of Dublin students reside outside the city. That alone shows you how large the school district is and the growth isn't slowing. Schools like Dublin Jerome High School are using modulars to educate students. It's an issue two newly elected school board members say is not acceptable. And that is definitely not ideal and not not what we would expect from Dublin City Schools. Um, so it is a challenge to deal with that. We need to come through with our promises first. We got levy money in 2018 to add additions to Jerome High School, and we have yet to do that. We have added now 12 more modulars. People are learning in hallways. We have failed on our promise for money that we have. The modulars are expected to be removed in 2023. Both Tiffany De Silva and Lindsay Gillis say growth in the district is one of the major challenges facing this area. More students put pressure on class sizes. While both welcome the growth, they say the key is being proactive about it. I think it's important that we do get updated growth projections because the projections that we were working from before were obviously under-projected. Both newly elected board members are people of color and believe for the first time the school board truly represents everyone. They say diversity, equity, and inclusion are high on their priority lists. I want to know why some libraries have more books than other libraries. Do our students who have disabilities have access to the playground equipment? Both candidates take issue with this school survey that was randomly sent to 460 Dublin residents. It concluded that most people are satisfied with the growth of the district, that the mood surrounding Dublin schools is effusive. I have a real problem with that. Um, we say that we're like real transparent and we engage everyone, but I have yet to meet someone who filled out that survey. I don't think that things are all sunshine and smiles here in Dublin City Schools. Addressing the district's challenges is something both candidates say they are excited to tackle. Kevin Landers, 10TV News. Diana Rigby is the other woman newly elected to the school board, and according to the Ohio Department of Education statistics, Dublin City Schools is the 10th largest district in our state with a student population of 17,000. I recently talked with political analyst Herb Asher about why such a spotlight is being placed on school board races during this election season and the issues those boards are encountering. Another issue that to me is sort of a phony issue 
is critical race theory. Mm-hmm. Uh, Why do you think it's funny? Uh, because most schools aren't teaching critical race theory. You know, that's it's really more an approach to uh, uh, how you would study things, just as Marxism was an approach to how you might study things. The real issue here for our curriculum is, do we actually teach American history uh, the good and the bad as it unfolded? Now, when it comes to school levies, more than 80% of school tax issues passed in this election, and that's according to the Ohio School Boards Association. Last year, 67% of levies passed. The association says it's encouraging to see these issues pass because of all of the financial strain the pandemic has put on Ohio schools. Now, you can see a full list of the election winners by texting the word RESULTS to 614-460-3345. You'll get a link sent to your phone. Ohio Secretary of State is putting the Franklin County Board of Elections under administrative oversight after three people were able to vote twice. Frank LaRose's office says an investigation found issues with equipment that is supposed to show who voted during the early voting period. Some of these poll books did not update properly, and in three cases, voters were allowed to vote twice. The Secretary of State says none of their votes impacted the results of any races. Franklin County now has to report weekly to the state to ensure it is effectively administering elections. Ohio House Republicans announced a highly controversial congressional delegation map. Right now, there are 12 Republicans and four Democrats in Congress, but under the newly proposed map, only two Democratic seats would be safe. Columbus's 3rd Congressional District and Cleveland's 11th Congressional District. The Senate also released its new map, which is more competitive than the House version. Lawmakers have until the end of the month to approve a new map. We are nearly a year away from deciding who will be Ohio's next governor. And this week, the race has one candidate demanding a bold move. Democrat John Cranley of Cincinnati is calling on the firing of every member of the state's utility commission. This is in response, he says, to the largest bribery scandal in state history involving House Bill 6 and a power plant bailout. Kevin Landers explains why and has reaction from other candidates. With the state house in the background, Democrat John Cranley says it's time to clean house. This place is corrupt. He says the people who sit on the state's Public Utilities Commission must go. So when I'm governor, I will fire them all and we will bring in people who will put consumers first. Why is Cranley going after the PUCO? Many reasons. Republican Governor Mike DeWine appointed the members and Cranley believes because the PUCO didn't stop HB6 from becoming law, its members are just as responsible as lawmakers who made the bill law. Do you believe that the current sitting PUCO members are incompetent? I think they sold us out. I asked Governor DeWine for his reaction during his press briefing today. I guess the political season has started. Um, you know, I'm not going to fire him. DeWine appointed the former head of the PUCO, Sam Randazzo, who helped write HB6 and is now under criminal investigation, but has admitted no wrongdoing and has not been charged. Democrat challenger Nan Whaley says she's open to firing members of the PUCO, but says more needs to be done to stop what she calls, quote, widespread culture of corruption in our state. Republican candidates Jim Renacci and Joe Blystone did not respond to our questions. Removing members of the PUCO is rare, although it has been done. Former Ohio Governor Dick Celeste asked for the resignations of PUCO board members after learning in 1981 the board granted 82% of all rate hike requests for utilities in the state. 
And again, that was Kevin Landers reporting for us. Early this month, Hertz Energy agreed to give back $306 million to customers for collecting excessive profits over a three-year period. Governor Mike DeWine and First Lady Fran stayed home over the past few days after they were exposed to COVID-19. Two staff members recently tested positive. Both DeWines have been fully vaccinated and they got their booster shots. They've tested negative and they do not have symptoms. The governor held a virtual news conference earlier in the week to give an update on where the state stands as it relates to COVID cases. I asked our team at the Department of Health to tell me how many people we had lost to COVID in October, the most recent full month. And they looked at that. They reminded me that death numbers are always lagging and they don't always report uh, instantly or they don't report instantly. Uh, But as of today, there have been reported 1,264 of our fellow Ohioans who have died in October. Uh, Deaths occurring in October will be continue to be recorded. Uh, That number we would expect to go up some. Uh, If you break that down on the numbers that are in now, uh, that comes down to about 41 of our fellow citizens who are still, who are dying every single day. Ohio lawmakers have introduced anti-abortion legislation modeled off of that law in Texas, considered the most restrictive in the United States. I talked one-on-one with the bill's sponsor. Neil Armstrong waited six hours and 39 minutes to step onto the surface of the moon. Jackie Robinson waited 20 months to play his first game with the Brooklyn Dodgers. And even DiCaprio had to wait 22 years to win an Oscar. You can wait until your destination. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. Back to Tracy Townsend, courtesy of 10TV. Abortion legislation is once again in the spotlight at the State House. Two Ohio lawmakers have introduced proposed legislation modeled off of the Texas law, considered to be the most restrictive in the nation. It would effectively end all abortions in Ohio. One of the sponsors is State Rep. Jenna Powell. She told me there are no exceptions for rape or incest. We know that life begins at fertilization. And, and to begin with, you know, those situations are very, very difficult situations. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, our heart goes out to people in those situations, and it's definitely not easy. But the science is very clear that life does begin at fertilization, and we must protect the most vulnerable. So no fears about any kind of repercussions, any kind of financial repercussions then? You know, the issue that we're seeing right now in the state of Ohio is that there's over 50 children every single day that are being killed due to abortion. The U.S. Supreme Court heard arguments on the Texas legislation. The high court appeared ready to permit a legal challenge. Several justices argue the legislation circumvents Roe versus Wade. We asked Ohio Democratic Party Chair Liz Walters where her party stands on this bill. Here's what she had to say. Women's health is a critical issue everywhere in this country, and we can't sit silently by while Republicans take those extreme attacks on uh, women's health decisions. Those belong to a woman and her doctor, to uh, women and their families. Planned Parenthood of Ohio released a statement when the bill was introduced saying banning abortion would be catastrophic to communities across Ohio. Another bill we're looking at this morning would allow teachers to be armed on school property without going through peace officer training. 
People who are against it say it would put students at risk. But proponents argue that it's the best way to protect students. Russia, Ohio School Board President Jeff Pringer spoke out in support of the bill during a House Criminal Justice Committee. That school used to have armed teachers, but doesn't anymore because of an Ohio Supreme Court ruling this summer that required armed teachers to go through peace officer training or have 20 years of law enforcement experience. Our armed response plan is only a last resort if someone comes to our campus to harm our students or teachers. The group Ohio Moms Demand Action say allowing guns in school zones raises concerns of the gun falling into the wrong hands or going off unintentionally. I will not allow you to put my children in danger. It is your duty to come up with a framework in place regarding our children to keep our children safe so schools, so local schools can build a comprehensive plan to save the lives of children. Can the federal government require you to get a COVID-19 vaccine. The Biden administration says yes. Ohio's attorney general says no. We explore both of their arguments after the break. Roxanne Watson is on a mission. Hello, how are you doing today? She wants more people to register as organ, eye, and tissue donors. Are you an organ donor? Yes, I am. My goal is to sign up the most people in the United States. <laughs> what drives her? Roxanne's own life was saved through the gift of a heart transplant made possible by an organ donor. I decided that day that I was going to devote myself to the cause of organ donation and signing people up and honoring my donor by doing that. Now she's back to health and she's a powerful force helping to save lives every day through her work. Imagine what you can make possible by leaving behind the gift of life. Eight people can be helped with the major organs and up to 50 people can be helped with a little bit of everything and when you think about it that way that you could help that many people it's amazing it really is learn more and sign up as an organ eye and tissue donor go to organdonor.gov a message from the u.s department of health and human services health resources and services administration Columbus Perspective is a public affairs presentation of WBNS Radio. The opinions expressed on this program are those of its guests and do not necessarily reflect those of WBNS Radio, its staff, management, or sponsors. This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. Back to Tracy Townsend, courtesy of 10TV. Ohio lawmakers are once again looking at a ban on vaccine mandates. The goal is to prevent Ohio schools, private colleges, and employers from these kinds of requirements. The short title of the bill refers to COVID-19, but the text of the legislation itself could include mandates for vaccinations against any disease. We should note the bill is unlikely to become law. Similar efforts have failed this year. And this comes as the Biden administration announced a January 4th deadline for the federal COVID-19 vaccine mandate for some employers. 10TV's Brittany Bailey breaks down the mandate. This mandate will affect 84 million workers across the country who work at companies with 100 or more employees. So as we mentioned, the deadline is January 4th. Workers must be fully vaccinated or undergo weekly testing and wear a mask. The rules are even tougher for the 17 million workers at hospitals, nursing homes and other facilities that receive money from Medicare or Medicaid. Those workers will not have the option to get tested. They must get vaccinated. But we 
we should point out there will be exemptions for medical and religious reasons. Now, companies that don't comply could face fines up to $14,000 for each violation. At this point, though, it's still not clear how this will be enforced. OSHA only has 1,850 inspectors to oversee 130 million workers at 8 million companies. Back to you. Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost is taking the federal government to court over the mandate, and Yost tells us he's filing a lawsuit to block the mandate, in part because of the requirement on first responders. He says he worries deputies will quit putting public safety in jeopardy. The White House tells us the Occupational Safety and Health Administration does have the legal authority to issue this standard. A senior administration official says there is well-established legal precedent for this. Here's how Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost responded. The narrow power that they're trying to use to do this applies only to workplaces for for things that exist in the workplace. Um, The lack of a railing, uh, that of acid, workplace dangers, not dangers that occur everywhere on the entire planet. Yo says he's not against vaccines adding that he is vaccinated, but he says he's against requirements. The first kids in the country were vaccinated against COVID-19. 10TV's Richard Solomon got an inside look at the first kids to get vaccinated at Nationwide Children's Hospital. Some of the bravest heroes wear some of the smallest capes. I was kind of nervous to begin with because I don't like shots. But these three little heroes conquered some fears together. 10-year-olds Holden, Harper, and Parker McKenzie are triplets. And they did something they're pretty proud of on Wednesday. It's been a long wait for us to get the vaccine, but I was beyond excited to get it, really hoping uh, like it's going to be super soon. The three were some of the first in central Ohio to get their first dose of the Pfizer vaccine at Nationwide Children's Hospital, one of the first pilot clinics to offer the vaccine for younger kids. In all, 37 kids from ages 5 to 11 suited up in the fight against COVID. Vaccinations started just one day after the CDC gave the final okay for kids. It was easy. We just found out last night, so it was fine. So basically we only had one day. And now that kids can get vaccinated, they're already thinking about what could happen with school. I don't think it will necessarily really change about like the masking mandate until maybe next year. But I do think it will like not be as strict. Doctors at Nationwide say they received 3,000 doses with the first shipment. The vaccine for kids, with the orange label, is one-third of the dosage older individuals would get. Kids aren't little adults, so they had to get studied separately for this age group. And so just like we have all those routine childhood immunizations, this is one more to add on to really protect their child and their family. And doctors plan to vaccinate 500 to 600 kids a day. But for these three, the vaccine is one thing they're glad they did together. It was one of the best things ever. That that today I was going to get my COVID vaccine. In Columbus, Richard Solomon, 10TV News. And that 5 to 11 age group is now included in the state's Vax to School Incentive Program. 10TV's Brian Somerville explains how you can make sure your child is part of the drawing. The Ohio Department of Health telling the Buckeye State a large portion of 367,000 COVID-19 vaccinations ready to roll for children ages 5 through 11. While it remains true that children are less likely than adults to get severely ill, from COVID-19, 
they most certainly can and do become ill, even seriously ill, and can suffer lasting complications from the virus. As of November 1st, more than 2,000 Ohio children have been hospitalized with COVID-19. There have been 15 deaths. Even still, ODH says it believes a vaccination can better protect school-age children from severe complications. We know that the existing COVID-19 vaccines have been remarkably effective in preventing severe cases of COVID-19. The state also announced the expansion of the Ohio Vax to School program to include 5 to 11-year-olds, an incentive that is awarding $2 million in scholarships. Parents can register their children as soon as they receive the first dose. To be eligible to win one of the five $100,000 grand prizes, you'll need to register no later than Wednesday, December 1st. Winners will be announced daily the week of November 29th through December 3rd. The bottom line is the sooner you register, the better chance you have. Physicians are saying whereas they used science to create the doses, which are lower than adults with less side effects, masks and social distancing should still be followed. Or to be thinking about the importance of masking as the vaccinated children will not be fully protected for some weeks. Bryant Somerville, 10 TV News. Now, for all of the information relating to the Pfizer vaccine for children, again, ages 5 to 11, and for information about the Vax to School program, head over to 10TV.com. And we thank you so much for joining us here on Face the State today. Remember, if it affects you and your family and Ohio, we're here to make sure those accountable face the state. That's again Tracy Townsend, courtesy of our sister station, WBNS 10 TV, from their Sunday morning public affairs program, Face the State. A new edition can be seen this morning at 1130 on 10 TV. Before I was adopted, I felt like nobody wanted me. I felt like my life was already over. At a certain age, they don't want you. You're troubled and stuff. Even if I wanted to be adopted, who would adopt a 17-year-old? Inside, I knew, like, I'm not a troubled kid. I know what I'm in for, why I'm here. My biggest fear was that I would age out and not know how to be sufficient on my own. I had nightmares every single day at my birth mom's house. It was just really scary for me living there. I was scared. I was lost and I felt hopeless. I felt like, don't I deserve to feel happy and loved? I just wish I'd gotten adopted sooner. Unfortunately, the number of children waiting to be adopted from foster care is on the rise. The Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption is the only public nonprofit charity in the U.S. focused exclusively on foster care adoption. You can help. Go to DaveThomasFoundation.org to learn more. There's a place to share the joy of your team winning it all. And a place to share a laugh about skiing and taking a fall. There's a place to share photos of pets or singing in the choir. Or the time you ate a pepper and your mouth was on fire. But we could all be better at sharing how we're feeling inside. 76% of employees have struggled with at least one issue that affected their mental health. When you share, you're not alone. 
Ask about your company's emotional health benefits. Visit heart.org slash sharing. Brought to you by the American Heart Association. When I grow up, I want to be a doctor, because that's a really important job. I would help kids get better and make everything super fun. I'd have a cool waiting room with games, toys, and a huge TV. If your child is sick over and over again, it could be PI, a serious defect of the immune system. Early testing gives children a chance to dream. And I'll give every kid a cherry lollipop, because that's the best flavor. Jeffrey Modell Foundation, helping children reach for their dreams. Visit info4pi.org. Unused prescription opioid pain medicines can spell trouble. Safely dispose of opioids before they can hurt your family. Find a drug take-back option such as medicine drop boxes. Visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. Hi, this is Dave James. Joining me on the phone is Dr. Christopher Holliday, Director of the CDC's Division of Diabetes Translation, and Dr. Gerald Harmon, who is the President of the American Medical Association. How are you? Doing well. Good morning. Thanks for talking to us. Uh, You are uh, talking to us today because you're rolling out a campaign about pre-diabetes. Can you talk about that? Dr. Harmon, uh, tell us what prediabetes is. Prediabetes is a condition where the body has higher than normal blood sugar levels. The glucose in your blood is higher than it should be, but it's not quite to the threshold that we would diagnose you with diabetes, in this case type 2 diabetes. One of the troubling things about this is that many people have it and don't know it, and there are no symptoms early on. Yes, there actually are no real symptomatic symptoms. things that people can identify, but the fact that it is so common, one in three American adults has prediabetes, that's roughly 88 million adults, and as was mentioned, 84% of them don't know they have it, and the, the message is really that prediabetes is a serious health condition, and it also puts people at, at high risk for other serious health conditions like heart attack, stroke, and type 2 diabetes. Dr. Harmon, you know, we hear uh, stories about how if you just lose like 5% of your body weight, you're already well on the way to avoiding this type of thing. This is what's so important about this campaign. There are very few things in my practice as a doctor that I can reverse or things I, I can sew up a wound or I can help a broken bone amend that. But very few systemic diseases like diabetes can be prevented. And prediabetes can be reversed. And so there's such an opportunity here that you're exactly right. We can take relatively simple measures such as eating in moderation, becoming more physically active, and we can stop and reverse and undo this prediabetes condition. You, you talked about no symptoms, but the risk factors are being a little overweight, sedentary lifestyle, having a parent or a sibling with the diagnosis of diabetes, if you've been pregnant, having gestational diabetes, or just being simply 40 or over. So there, it's important to take a, a, an online test uh, that's available from the CDC, the AMA, and the Ad Council uh, called 2IHavePreDiabetes.org. Go online, take that simple uh, less than one minute online test, and if you have uh, positive findings, talk the, the results to your doctor and consider getting a simple blood test. So, Dr. Harmon, uh, if you have somebody in your family who is diabetic, your risk is higher. Is that because it's hereditary, or is it because you're likely to have the same similar lifestyle that might lead to it, or what? Well, both. 
true, true related, Dave. That's exactly right. There is uh, clearly a familial tendency for diabetes to run in the family. And prediabetes was the risk factors. Exactly right. You tend to have the same risk factors. You eat the same uh, foods. You tend to have the same body habitus. So it does put you at extra risk for having prediabetes. So I have to ask uh, both of you to weigh in on this. You know, a lot of people would say, well, eating low carb or at least lower carb would be healthier uh, when it comes to prediabetes. Is that true? That's absolutely right. In fact, um, modest changes in your diet, moving more, as Dr. Harmon mentioned, really helps you to prevent or delay the onset of type 2 diabetes. But first, you, you just want to know your risk. And taking that simple one-minute risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org is really important as, as a first step. Uh, but to your point, research does show that once people are made aware of their condition, they're more likely to make the necessary long-term lifestyle changes, such as eating healthier, managing their weight, and being active. And these things, of course, help prevent or delay the onset of type 2 diabetes. Dr. Harmon, uh, your thoughts on lower-carb eating? I agree with Dr. Holliday. That, that dietary modification, such as lower carb, puts less stress on your system that helps you to, that would cause you to lean towards prediabetes and possibly go to type 2 diabetes. I'd also tell you all these recommendations that you're hearing to reduce your risk factors are great health habits to have anyway for other more serious diseases such as cardiovascular disease and other related diseases. This is a great opportunity to reverse prediabetes and to prevent the onset of more serious disease that can lead to heart attack and stroke and other risk factors. You know, some of the health foundations and think tanks, uh, public policy think tanks, have, have come out with their annual obesity reports and say that obesity is on the rise during the pandemic. You know, people were stuck at home. They maybe did less exercise, stressed out and ate more. And that's also a big factor, obesity with COVID. So it seems like it would be a good time for people to become much more mindful of their health these days. Dave, I'll tell you, as a David, as a frontline healthcare worker, seeing COVID patients, even I'll see some t- this afternoon when I'm working. Risk factors are exactly as you described. Diabetes is one of the most serious risk factors for having a bad outcome with COVID. And obesity is certainly a contributory risk factor as well. So uh, I think you'll find that uh, uh, that's uh, validated from the CDC, and I'll, I'll ask that. Uh, Dr. Holliday to comment also, but absolutely, this is this has been uh, evidence during our COVID pandemic, all, all too unfortunately. Yeah, and I'll just add to, to Dr. Harmon's good point that, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic really has underscored the dangers of having chronic health conditions like type 2 diabetes. And so these new PSAs really take a serious look at prediabetes and encourage people to take action. As we know, those with comorbidities like type 2 diabetes and hypertension and and other chronic illnesses really have poor outcomes due to COVID-19 disease, including hospitalization, uh, ventilation, use, and even death. Talking with Dr. Christopher Holliday, Director, CDC's Division of Diabetes Translation, and Dr. Gerald Harmon, President of the American Medical Association. Dr. Holliday, this uh, website you mentioned, doihaveprediabetes.org, I know there's also a quick quiz on there to determine your risk factors. What else is on there? Yes, it's a, a simple one-minute risk test that anyone can take by going to the website you mentioned, doihaveprediabetes.org, and it, it asks simple things like family history, whether you have other health issues like hypertension, your age, 
um, and others that will give you an idea of whether you're at risk or not. And if you find out by your symptoms, the score that you receive that you're at risk, then you just talk to your doctor. And prediabetes can be confirmed through a simple blood test, and it helps you to know where you stand and to take action. And Dr. Harmon, anything else you'd like to add? Well, I'd like to add, how, again, how important this is and how vital this is for those 88 million Americans that we are nowhere at risk and have prediabetes, and those over 80% who don't even know they have it. Once, once you hear that alarm sound, once you hear that warning bell that you have prediabetes, you can make some modifiable lifestyle changes. You can become more active, and you can reverse condition. Again, very little things that I do in medicine can be reversed. This is one of those that we really need to be having a lot of energy towards. So thank you for letting us have there the time with your program today, Dave. Okay, again, it's doihaveprediabetes.org. Uh, Dr. Holliday and Dr. Harmon, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you for having us. This has been Columbus Perspective, a weekly public affairs presentation of The Fan, heard each Sunday morning at 6 on WBNS AM. That's 1460 ESPN Columbus. And Sunday morning at 7 on WBNS FM. Sports Radio 97.1 The Fan. Join us again next Sunday for Columbus Perspective.